you have given her. Thank you for the time that she has spent in your word, in your presence, preparing for this morning. And we pray now for your anointing on her, that you would uh, fill her with your Holy Spirit and guide her in her words and her thinking as she teaches us this morning. And Lord, would we have open hearts to hear your word and not just be hearers of your word, but doers, that we would go away changed and ready to love and serve the world as you have loved us. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. Thanks, Lizzie. Great. Good morning again. Right, can you hear me from the back? Welcome back. Wow, it's lovely to see you. We've missed you as you've been away in the States, and we've got people that have just gone to Australia and New Zealand. Uh, hi, AJ. How's it going, dude? And uh, we're missing our families this morning, but it's half term, so we know what happens. But let me just say... Um, the Pancake Sunday next week is a deliberate ploy. I'm not going to be, you know, I'm not going to hide this. This is a deliberate ploy for you to invite young families, okay? We are rebuilding from a time of COVID and of, of loss on so many different fronts. And one of the things we really want to grow in is, is this, is this um, extra layer of more children, okay? So we're grateful to God for the families he's sending us, but we've got room and capacity for more. And so we thought, let's do a pancake Sunday, 9.30. Um, uh, keep a, keep a, a lookout on the WhatsApp thread. The idea is you bring some pancakes and also some are going to be made, okay? Everybody's welcome. But if you particularly have a young family that you're hanging out with or it's your relatives, please invite them. Let them come next Sunday, 9.30 for pancakes, 10.30 service. And uh, we're really praying that this year we see an addition of young families okay that's just what we're asking Jesus for um, and many other things as well but that's a, that's a deliberate strategy so next Sunday 9 30 pancake Sunday and those of you that are singing in the vocal group will sing our little hearts out and then we can eat our pancakes um, you know before the meeting I'm afraid but there you go um, and uh, today's talk is about finding family in a world of isolation so this concludes the series, I do believe, or nearly concludes the series, does it, um, that Holy Trinity have had. Now, for those of you who are new to St. Andrew's this morning, we're part of a, a network of churches. So we have Holy Trinity. Actually, they're only a 10-minute walk away, but you'd think they were 10 miles sometimes when people go, oh, St. Andrew's, where's that? Well, hello, we're here. Um, but uh, yeah, it's not far from us. They are the big mother church, so to speak. And uh, then there's us here in Fox Hill, Mulberry Park. And then there's two other more traditional churches and villages, and the and the um, the clergy team oversee all of them. Malk is the senior minister here at St Andrews, so that's who we are and where we fit into the plan. When you pick up information and you watch the adverts, sometimes they're talking about Holy Trinity, sometimes they're talking about here. But hey, you know, you're welcome. It's lovely to see you all here this morning. So when we look at the epistle that John wrote. We just need to know a little bit of information about John, the beloved disciple, the best friend of Jesus. He did have closer friends than others, and uh, John was definitely in that category. And actually, John probably wrote this letter after the fall of Jerusalem. He settled in Ephesus, which is now in modern-day Turkey, and around AD 70, okay? This was about 25 years, I think, before he became exiled to Patmos, and out of interest, those of you who are watching the news, which is utterly heartbreaking at present about Turkey and Syria, 
There's one area that's been very badly affected, and it's called Anatakia. Seen it on your news, Anatakia? Did you know that in ancient days that was Antioch? So when you're seeing it currently, that was um, Antioch in the scriptures. Isn't it amazing? Because Turkey, and of course we lived in Greece, so we were in Corinth, and uh, not far from Corinth, we went to Philippi. Most of those traditional cities are empty now. They don't have what was there in those days, thriving communities. But uh, we continue to pray for those guys, particularly at present. And they are going through some big traumas, haven't they? But here's John writing to the scattered churches as well. A mature father figure, that's what I reckon. I thought, wow, he was 70 when he wrote these epistles. He was 95 when he wrote Revelation. I never thought he was that old, you get me? I don't know, I always thought he was youngish when he was exiled and writing those things. But actually, this was his latter years. And there's nothing more beautiful than listening to somebody who's lived life. <laughs> you know, the things we thought were important when we were much younger, the older we get, we seem to think, why did we get so sort of, head up about that. You know, in the grander scheme of things, was it really as important as we thought it was? And I think sometimes John is coming from that perspective. Malcolm and I have recently become grandparents. We're now in a very new world and we love it. They're tiny, it's all around us. We've had four kids under the age of five in the last few years, it's amazing. But you know, we find ourselves being far more lenient with grandchildren than we ever were to our own kids. And you know what it's like, isn't it? You'd rather encourage and praise them than correct them and tell them off because that's the parent's job. <laughs> it's not that we won't correct the kids if they're naughty, but you know what it's like. You, there's something coming from a different angle. You're like, yeah, you know, it's like a little bit more. And I don't know, it's, it's a beautiful relationship between the grandparent and the child. And I think when, when John was writing, he was writing from a father's heart point of view. And he would know. I love the fact that he could, he could write from a conviction of being loved. He knew he was loved so well by Jesus. And so he was able to say, well, I knew the son, and I think the father is just like him. And he loves you. And he loves you. And he loves you. And so here's John writing this fatherly figure, encouragement, and letter. And he's writing about love and devotion. Let's have slide three if we can up here. There we go. Now, just to prove this, is my mum and dad who are now in glory, but these are their great-grandchildren. We had a barbecue in the summer. So some of these kids are our grandkids, uh, and they're not all there either. Talk about go out and multiply. I think the Maguires did very well on that front. Um, but, uh, yeah, some of them are mine in, in that mix, you know, picture, but we're, they're a right bunch, and they're a wonderful mix. If we ever decided to do a family reunion, we really need to have a – a very big house or, um, I don't know, big garden because there's lots of the extended family that I'm part of. And Melk equally was from a very big family too. You know? So, yeah, we come from big families. So, you know, this is what we think. And being part of a family of God is God's idea. He took the idea, the framework of family that we all relate to. We've all been part of a family, whether you liked them or not. We've all been brothers and sisters or got mum and dad. You know, we've had that experience of family as we have been growing up. This is part of God's idea. And when I was studying this earlier this week, I couldn't get away from Psalm 68, verses 5 and 6. And it talks like this. It says, God places the lonely in families. 
He sets the prisoner free, gives them joy, but he makes the rebellious live in the sun-scorched light. I love the way it says God places the lonely in families. I do believe God places people. I think God says, um, you, there you are. That's your place. That's your God family. Okay? And we know that. You know, you just, you know, when you say to some people, why did you choose St. Andrews? Well, there was just something about St. Andrews that made me feel at home. There was something that made me feel welcome or whatever, you know. And you know where you will fit and where you belong. God calls you and he places you and he says, that's your family. Chill out there. They'll love you. They'll hang out with you, you know. And that's what he does. He places us. I can't think but how ironic that when we're talking about connection and love and belonging, that sometimes we've never been so connected in this social media driven age, with our mobile phones, with our tablets, with everything going on. And yet they say that loneliness is so endemic now in our nation. It's got worse, not better. You think, how crazy is that? We should be less lonely. You know, praise God for those kind of mobile connections, especially during COVID, because it did keep us somewhat in contact with is anyone out there, you know, kind of moments which is great, and hence why some online things have never gone back into a building. They've stayed online for people that particularly don't like going out at night because they're housebound or whatever. So it's great that you can have options of being connected. But I, I, I think we need to, to discipline ourselves when it comes to connecting when we've got face-to-face -face engagement with friends and family. It's not uncommon to walk into a coffee shop or to walk into a restaurant and see a, an entire bunch of people around a table on their phones. I know, you know, I know it's more of a sort of an agey thing probably uh, because when we were kids, you know, we had rules about what you could and couldn't do at the table. You could never read a book, I, you know, because they wanted you to be present in that moment. And I think there's a lot to be said for being present. So if you're going to have a meal together, you know, really that little mobile phone should try and as much as possible be put away or turned off. It's okay for 45 minutes to an hour. I'm sure you can manage without it. And occasionally I forget my mobile phone sometimes now by mistake. I just think, oh, I forgot my mobile phone. And if I'm not traveling, it's no big deal. I can just leave it. So for a few hours, I am mobile phone free. And you know what? I don't miss it. I've, I've got myself a Fitbit, woohoo, one of these watches. And the one thing I did on this, this thing was turn off my notifications. Because quite frankly, I just wanted it to tell me the time and my steps. You know, how am I doing from a fitness point of view? I don't want to be buzzed every two minutes of an incoming message. It's like, please, you know, I'm sure if it's really, really important, they'll find me. That's how I think anyway. But we need to be present and we, we need to... To sort of be a bit disciplined about our mobile phones. And I know it's a big thing as in, in a teenage household about screens. And it's one of those things that's said, right, that's it. Your phone's going away for the next two days. It's like real pain. That's like, no, don't, don't separate me from my phone. But we have to learn how to be disciplined in using these things. But there's the irony that we've never been so connected and yet unconnected in other ways. An African proverb, it says this. It takes a village to raise a child. And I think that's true. It does. And that's what we love about this church. We want to be generational church. We want to be able to be um, from the youngest. Now, who's our baby? Is it Harry, who's uh, one? 
Um, we want to be like from Harry right up. I'm not going to embarrass who's the eldest in this room. Uh, what? Well, yeah, we're going to pick on something. No, let's not pick on anybody. Uh, it's, well, it's not me. Anyway, let's put it that way. Um, so, yeah, you know, we just want to be a generational church because when we dedicate our babies here on a Sunday and we bring them forward, we all, we all pledge that we're going to be taking responsibility and helping the mum and dad to raise that child in a godly way. And they need it. Okay? It's not that you march up to them going, oh, yeah, well, here's a little bit of advice. But, you know, I often hear the conversation amongst the young mums with an older person to say, what did you do? You know, just give me that fragment of information or at least pray for me because I haven't had any sleep for the last three weeks. But, you know, we need one another. And that was God's idea. He said, no, come and be part of a family. Come and find your place. Come and serve. Come and participate. Come and learn. Come and live. And so that's what he's done. And we celebrate generational church. And when we talk of love, especially when it comes to Valentine's Day any minute now, I remember when you were young, well, a long time ago now, but I remember when I was young, you know, it used to be that I wonder if I'll get a Valentine's card, you know. Um, and those were the days, I don't know if parents do them for the kids, but my mum and dad never did. So if I, if I didn't get one, I didn't get one. But sometimes I got a Valentine's card, apparently, from somebody, which is very nice because it did just sort of self-confidence a bit good. But, you know, we are so far away from what love really is. I know we're doing a really good job of, of re-changing the definition of love all over the place. You want to know what love is like? Let's get back to the word of God. You can't find a pure, stronger, consistent, faithful, all-encompassing, and, and I could go on, love of God. That's love. That's love. And he has sent us a Valentine's card. Here it is. From the beginning to the end, he says, I thought about you. I designed you. I put the stars in place, but I still thought about you. And you matter from your first breath to your last. I'm going to be there. Now, who else can say that? Nobody. But God does. And he anointed certain people, apostles and others and prophets, to write things, to tell us 2,000 plus years on, hey, before you were born, I knew you. I saw you in your mother's womb. And I've ordained every day for you that will come to be. You can't go anywhere around this world without escaping me because I'm going to be there. That's Psalm 139. That's his promise. And that's how much he loves us. I still have, and I enjoy going out with single friends. Sometimes church in the past used to be a little bit guilty of being, you know, all married couples, 2.5 kids and all that stuff. Well, let me tell you, society's changed that anyway. But I used to, and I love doing that, staying in touch and hanging out with my single friends. Just because they're not married yet or have been married or no longer married, you know, doesn't, doesn't take them out of this equation of belonging and wanting to be part of a family. Now, believe it or not, when I Googled this, to be honest, I went down a bit of a rabbit hole yesterday because, you know, we did a census in 2021. Well, um, all the details haven't come out yet. They're releasing them bit by bit. So we've had a few headlines in the last year about the census. And I'll tell you what, you want to see where our society is going, you read the census. I'm not saying everything they say is true, but it's giving you a fairly good marker 
as to what is happening generationally in our relationships and all sorts. And I was just interested to know about singles. Um, you know, and it says in 2021, they estimated 28.1 million households in the UK are single. That's an increase of 8.3%. That's a lot of people. And that's what's happening in our churches. And you wouldn't think it sometimes, but it's true. We have obviously never married. We've had widow, divorce, separated. We are all singles cover that massive big cover. And so um, I'll be waiting to see what that comes out. Anything between 25 to 33% now in the last 10 years, it's changed. And so that's what we're looking at in the church as well. In fact, 3.6 million single people, 3.6 million single people aged 20 to 34 still live at home. Now, you know, we can tell economically that's what's happened in the last 10 years. People can't afford to buy their own houses. So they're staying home longer. And then that has an effect on growing up and relationships and everything else like that. So we are having a shifting tide here. God knows, it's not taking him by surprise, by the way. But the fact is, is that church needs to adapt to that. You know, some of the stuff that's come out recently about church attendance, the average age of church attendance in the UK is now 50. The only place where it's slightly gone up, only slightly, but doing very well yet in younger ages is in uh, the mosques and in the Muslim faith. So, you know, We've got challenges, and like I said earlier, we're praying that God brings into us young families and teenagers, and because we know future-wise, that's the church, don't we? We can cheer them on, we can encourage them, but that's what we need to see, transformational growth and change within our churches and within this nation. Back to loneliness. When my dad died, which was quite some time ago now, my mum decided she needed to go off and learned the computer. <laughs> so she went to the library where she had some free computer lessons. She told me that for the first few weeks, the man said, if you've got any questions, just stick up your hand and I'll come and help you. Well, my mum's hand was stuck up for most of the time. <laughs> I think he got a bit fed up of walking over towards my mum, but she grasped the basics of communication via email and stuff like that, bless her, which was just as well because we were living in South Africa. So she got into um, the computers. Then she realized, as she was attending the library, that there was a massive need. And the need was for people that were stuck in their homes due to ill health that couldn't come out to the library. And it was called Books on Wheels. Well, guess who volunteered to start Books on Wheels or help on Books on Wheels? My mum did. And my mum, who has now recently gone to glory herself, never missed an opportunity to talk about Jesus. So she'd take the books in. She'd say to them, what do you want to choose this week? Oh, I don't know. And audio books and everything else like that. And the first thing was she spent time with people in their homes because that's what they wanted. They wanted somebody to talk to. But secondly, she started to take in other stuff, Christian stuff, as well as the books on wheels. And it was a legitimate things from the library. She'd give them a choice and maybe suggest, would you like to read this one? And in the three or four years where my mum was able to do books and wheels, which she did with a passion and diligence for a couple of times a week, poor man that drove my mum around, books and wheels. But you know, she led three or four people to Jesus in that time. 
You see, we, what we do is we find where we are right now and we just say to God, well, here I am. I'm available. She didn't bash them over the head with a Bible, but they started the conversations. They asked the questions, and if they did, then my mum was there to answer them. As an aside, <laughs> you know how we talk about taking every opportunity to share the good news of Jesus? Well, you know, I don't know how it happens to me, but somehow it happens to me. And Malcolm and I, a few weeks ago, we were just dandering through Bath on a Friday, day off, and uh, dandering through, and we weren't in a hurry for once. Now, I don't know about you, but often when I'm in town, there's a reason why I'm in town. I literally, from A to B, if I've parked my car, I need to get zip, zip, and out again. Or, you know, there's a reason why I can't be dandering. But we were dandering, which is an Irish word for, I don't know, taking your time, kind of strolling, yeah. And we went down the main high street. Now, you know what that's like. There's lots of people down those high streets, buskers. They're really good. I enjoy listening to them. But also people selling things, yeah? So I don't know about you, but I spend my time going, no, no, sorry, I'm in a hurry, and off I toddle, yeah? But this day, these guys were everywhere, and this one young guy, guy says to me, excuse me, have you got a minute? And I said to him, well, I wasn't sure if I did or I didn't. He said, and he started to follow me, he says, please stop and talk to me. And I thought, okay, I will. I said, all right, what's your name? Jaden, ah, hi, Jaden, I'm Cortrish. So what are you doing today? Well, so he starts this little spiel, blah, 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 talking very fast. I said, okay, Jane, slow down. I'm going to give you a bit of my time. I said, and my husband, who I'm looking at Malcolm, sort of walking away, I said, <laughs> is going to join me. So Malcolm comes back, and I'm thinking, yeah, you're the dude, you're the vicar. For goodness sake, you stand here and do the chit-chat. Anyway, he stands there. And uh, I said, Jane, okay, this is the deal, Jane. I'm going to listen to you for a few minutes. Then if you wouldn't mind listening to me, and then we can conclude with your, what your spiel is at the end. Oh, okay. I said, good. So he started his pattern. And I said, okay, Jen. So this is Mel, my husband. He said, what do you do? I said, good question. I said, what do you do, Mel? And I said, well, actually, I'm a, a church minister. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I used to go to church, and I really enjoyed church. Um, I did harvest festivals, and I went at Christmas time, and I really, oh, I've got a lot of time for the church. But then when I was later in my teens, I decided not to go. And I said, oh, that's interesting, Jaden. Why? Why don't you go anymore? Because I know what they're going to say, you know, like boring or, you know, it's not for me. Oh, well, my parents weren't Christians. I said, you know, believe it or not, that doesn't really matter. I said, because Mark's parents weren't Christians and he found a faith in Jesus. And that's totally different. So then we had our few minutes of yeah, yeah at him. So he's listening and I can see now in his head, I wish I'd never said, please stop and talk to me. <laughs> but I thought he said it. I'm doing it. Come on. I said, okay, Jen. And we said our bit. And I ended with just telling him, go and find out about Alpha. Have you ever heard of Alpha? No. I said, well, come on, dude. He said, you know, you're young. You owe it to yourself to just go and ask the questions. No, you know, you can ask the questions. And if you think we're deluded, that's fine. But at least today, we've had that conversation to hear that we're not just talking about a dead religion. We're talking about a faith and a relationship in Jesus that can change your life. And then he ended his spiel. Okay. That's making chance of every opportunity. And my mum took it when she did Books and Wheels. So I think a little bit of my mum is in me by the sounds of things. And you don't need to say anything, Sue Crooks. <laughs> but, um, yeah, bless her. Um, but I, I think we just need to see those opportunities and take them. I, I didn't go looking for them. They find me. And as soon as they find me and I realize, oh, this is a god mum, I take it. You know, we could have those all over the place. We really could. And people are lonely. 
And they do value that one-on-one -on -one conversation. And we've just got to be aware and see, where, where, where do you want me, Lord? How can I help? There was a dude at the bus stop the other day. He was in the right fiddle with his phone, so I helped him out in his phone. He then started to chat me up, and I thought, oh, no, this is going to be really difficult. I'm going to sit on the bus, and I hope he doesn't think he's going to sit next to me because, like, you know. And, uh, you know, so it was a little bit awkward, and I suddenly sat on this bus thinking, do I need to phone him out? Do I need to tell him, can you phone me in 10 minutes when I get off? Because my little friend might be following me off somewhere else, and I thought, slightly difficult. But so don't misunderstand friendliness for, you know, like, you know, I'm just trying to be kind and friendly, nothing else. Um, but anyway, we wait and we look for opportunities how we can help. John starts drilling down on this love issue. And he says this, God's love should be in us. We love each other because he loved us first. And his, in his gospel, John quotes Jesus. You know, he, when he wrote that beautiful gospel and he started for those chapters, 14, 15, 16, he said, listen, I'm going, I'm leaving you but I'm sending my Holy Spirit. But one thing I want you all to do is please stay connected. Abide in me and abide in each other. Stay connected with your dad and here's your family, brothers and sisters, connect with them. And John knew that, he'd heard it from Jesus, he saw it. And so that's why we value here life, doing life together, taking the coffees, having the lunches, doing the pancakes, because it just stops us from getting religious and it helps us to stay real and connected and say to people, how are you doing? Okay, and that's how we want to be, where you can pray and say, actually, I'm not doing so good. Would you please pray for me? Of course, we've prayed for people all over the place, anywhere, anytime. We just say, well, let's just pray about that. Let's just bring that back to the Father. He's heard, but... We're just going to underline it and pray, pray, pray. Verse 17 says, as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we won't be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Interesting. There's John suggesting that they'll have to give an account. How did we love? Did we love well? What did we do about it? And it says that we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Well, do we? Would, you know, who was it? Was it last week or the week before? Oh, sorry, I was away last week. The guy I was listening to last week, and he said it. He's absolutely right. You, we should know the difference between people who love Jesus and those that don't. There should be something different about a believer. You should be the most joyful person in your office. You should be the person that feels like, you know, it's not that you've got party woohoo every day, but there's something about you that's different. We've had that said to us so many times. We haven't even mentioned the name of Jesus, but they say to you, can I just ask a question? Sure. How come? La, 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 la. And they'll ask a question. And we're able to say, well, we do have a faith. No, I don't. Tell me about it. Okay. Let's tell you about this faith. I was watching a, a movie the other day and it was a mum and a daughter, they were having breakfast together and the mum was just chit-chatting about something and she ended the phrase saying, oh, la, 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 thank God. And the daughter said, mum, since when have you been into God? Since when have you started to believe in God? And her answer came back, 
I started to believe in God since not believing in him didn't work. <laughs> How about that? That was a line in a movie. No, you have to take a lot of faith to not believe in God, to be honest. You have to, you have to talk a lot away. Mm, yeah, well, that's because, that's because actually, sometimes it's better and easier to say, actually, I believe in you. Now show me who you are. Tell me. Because there's something in the human spirit that longs to belong. They long to belong. We all do. That's why we've got groups. That's why you have clubs. That's why you have... Because people just don't want to be on their own. And it's not saying you've always got to be with people. Of course, you can have time on your own. That's beautiful and solace and solitude and reflection. It's all very valid, all very good. But actually, God created us for connection. The very Trinity wasn't a one-man job. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that's the model, and that's how he pushed it, and that's how we are. Because we're created for belonging. We're created for family. And we should, as much as possible, say, Lord, I want to be like you. So what is our response? Well, our response is this. We need sometimes to ask God to help us love better, to help us love well. It's really hard sometimes um, to love on occasions where you think, ah, this is difficult. But if it's difficult, ask God. And you know, I don't always get it right myself. Even within our own family, we had somebody that was so hard to love, so hard. But we kept asking, Lord, give us grace to love well. That's all we wanted to do. The Father, heart of God this morning, start, your starting place is you belong to the family of God. You are a child of God. You are being accepted. 